Review. Come see why Mercedes-Benz of Sacramento won Best of the Best in 2017. Corner of Howe and Alta Arden. Budget, abortion, markets, Congress, conservatives, Democrats, Donald Trump, the economy, energy, FCC, Google, GOP, healthcare, Hillary, immigration, John McCain, morning briefing, politics, Republicans, Rick Perry, Russia, Tea Party, Ted Cruz, redstate.com. Money 105.5. Views expressed on the following program are not necessarily those of this station, its owners, staff, or management. The following program is sponsored by Simply Great Lives. Welcome to the Impact Hour on Money 105.5, where you live with passion, make a difference, and come alive. This show is about you, your life, your impact, and your legacy. Now your hosts, John and Rena. Hey, welcome to the Impact Hour. I'm John. Today's show is Leadership Part 2. Last week we talked a lot about leadership, but there's really a lot to talk about when we talk about leadership, and we wanted to go more in depth today and really cover those things that we didn't quite be able to get to last, last show, last episode. This show, of course, is beyond, about beyond just success. This show is really all about having more impact and more meaning in life. And a lot of times we focus so much on success and having that position and that status and all the things that we want in life. Uh, but a lot of times what we really want is beyond just that. You know, when, once we have that success, then people start looking around and going, okay, well, now what? Now what I really want. And this show is all about living a legacy, something that lasts beyond your lifetime and making a contribution to the world uh, in a way that's meaningful. So the show is all about the more meaningful rather than just the superficial. Leadership, of course, is uh, it basically boils down to it's just influence because there's lots and lots of ways of leading. And if we're going to have an impact in the world, we need to be able to influence things. Otherwise, we're not very impactful. And so learning to lead is a very big, deep topic. There's a saying out there that says that leaders are born, not made. I completely disagree with that statement. Leaders can be made, but leadership is more than just what you do. It turns out being a great leader has a lot to do with who you are. How do, how do you show up? And there's lots of ways of showing up in the world, showing up in different situations and, and different scenarios, different meetings with people. And we could show up trying to protect ourselves, wondering if the other person is trying to somehow get one over on us. We could show up being fearful. We could show up being overbearing and just telling people what to do. There's so many ways we can show up that is counterproductive to having that influence that we want to have in the world and on other people. And in order to have that legacy that we want to live, uh, so much depends on our leadership ability. So just a quick review from last week. Uh, we talked a little bit uh, about leadership, and we went over the five levels of leadership as shared by John Maxwell and his teachings. And those, I, th I think, are a pretty good explanation of different levels of leadership. And at the very lowest level of leadership, which is often the one that we most think of when we think of leaders, is positional leadership. That is, when you are in the position of leader, you are the boss, you're the, you know, the head of whatever, you're the, the CEO, you're the chairman, you're the, you know, whatever, then you're in the position of leadership. 
And the lowest form of leadership is to rely on that position in order to lead. That's where we expect people to listen to what we say and do what we suggest just because we are in that position. And that is the lowest form of leadership uh, because oftentimes then people's activity is more, more forced, it's more coerced. They feel like they have to do what you say because you're the boss, you're, the le you're in that position. But if you weren't in that position and if they wouldn't do anything you say or suggest, then perhaps uh, you're not as good of a leader as is possible. And you're just relying on the position. That's positional leadership. And from some perspectives, some folks would say that's really not leadership at all. That's just being a manager. And, and perhaps that's a, a way to look at it. I don't want to dispute anything around that. Um, but really, it's, it's levels two through five where really start becoming a, a leader where people are following because they want to, not because they feel like they have to. And there's a really big shift from leading by position rather than leading in other ways. And so level two, as we shared again last time, is permission-based leadership that's based on relationship. It's inviting people. It's more invitational. Hey, you know, I'm, I'm thinking of doing a project this way or creating this project. Would you like to come join me to create that? It's, uh, you know, they're, they're following because they want to, because they trust you, because they trust in that relationship. Uh, and the relationship is, is uh, cultivated. You know, it's not forced or, you know, not, not any sort of manipulation or condescending or anything like that. It's just a, a great, good, clean relationship. And, and then others are following just because they trust in that relationship and trust has been built. Level three is production level lever, leader. It's uh, all, all P's here. So the three is, is production. That means that this person has been a leader and in a permission-based invitational style leader for a while, and they also get things done. They have a reputation. And then people know that, hey, if they work for you, then you will not only uh, be kind to them and be invitational, but but you will be there to help them accomplish great things and they want to be a part of that and be a part of something bigger. And that's a production uh, leader. Like that's a person who has a track record. And then level four is a people developer. And most folks, when they lead, don't make it to level five. They only make it to level four. But four actually is pretty darn awesome. A four is a leader who develops other people. People know that if they follow you, not only will they accomplish great things, but you will develop them as a person, probably into a leader as well. And, and that's a very attractive thing for a lot of folks uh, because they know uh, you're not just there. They know they're not just there to get things done, but they're there and, and they're, they're valued as a person. And the, and the leader, you know, presumably you, would be there to help them become a better person, a better leader. And that's already pretty awesome. Level five, very few people would ever get to level five. And that's kind of at the pinnacle. And that's where a person would be in a position of leader. And they're not just leading the people, say, if you're talking about the workplace, they're not just leading the people who work for them, people in their department, but they're starting to actually influence an industry. And they're starting to influence what other companies are doing as well. And that would be a level five leader. And not everyone reaches level five. Uh, I think level five is kind of more of an organic thing. It's a person being a level four leader over time. 
uh, may lead to level five, but if it doesn't, uh, it's not something that you can control or force. So leadership is a lot of different things, and I mentioned that it's influence. And that means that you don't have to be in the position of a leader in order to lead. In fact, most people on any given day and any given week probably lead one or more times uh, throughout that time span because it's influence. If you've ever asked somebody out on a date, you have been trying to influence them and you are taking leadership. That's a form of leadership. And so whenever your family is deciding on where to go to eat or if they want to go see a movie or you know various things in there if if you're suggesting those things and you are convincing that's a type of leadership and that's no less leadership than other kinds um, and so that's that's something that just about everybody could get better at leading uh, even in those little interactions throughout the day throughout the week and of course guys the men out there are really meant to be leaders in the family and whether you believe men are supposed to lead or not, it's one of those things that kind of happens naturally anyways, that when a man influences the family, the family, the whole family tends to follow. And that it just is kind of a more of a natural thing that where if a man is passive, um, the, you know, the woman of the household may try to lead, but will probably not have as much effectiveness as when the man does. And it's not to put down, you know, women's uh, intuition or ability to lead in that way. It's just kind of a more natural that way things tend to happen. And so when guys step up, when you guys step up to lead, then it can be so much uh, more effective and it's so much more important for the men out there for you guys to learn to lead effectively because there are so many bad ways to lead. And I know I've fallen into some bad ways of leading myself. Um, it's just learning process along the way. And so kind of where we left off last week is we were going through a bunch of bad ways that we can lead. And we got about halfway through this list, um, and we will be continuing that list here today. A couple other things uh, about leading is good leadership is not manipulative. It's not coercing people into doing what you want. Good leadership, on the other hand, is where everybody wins. And we will talk more about this. We'll be right back. If you want a life rich in meaning, if you want to make a difference, join John and Rena for the Impact Hour every Wednesday afternoon at 2 on Money 105.5. Learn how to increase your life's impact. Unlock your potential and live with passion. It's all new. The Impact Hour with your hosts, John and Rena. Share your stories and become part of the journey. Wednesday afternoons at 2 on Money 105.5. Find John and Rena on Facebook at The Impact Hour. Meaning, significance, satisfaction, connection. You can have it all. Learn how on the Impact Hour, Wednesdays at 2 p.m. on Money 105.5. Host John and Rena will help you be a change agent, a leader, a hero. Move through your world, touching lives and experiencing a deep sense of connection and meaning. Listen to the Impact Hour, Wednesdays at 2 p.m. on Money 105.5. Your impact matters. You matter. Did you miss a show? Check out past shows at theimpacthour.com. 
You're listening to the Impact Hour on Money 1055. Know your impact. Make it great. Hey, welcome back to the Impact Hour. We've been talking about leadership. This is leadership part two. So last week we were talking about bad ways of leading, and a lot of these bad ways of leading really flow usually kind of subconsciously just out of habit or just, you know, without even thinking about it, these things just kind of come out. And because good leadership flows uh, out of who we are as a person. And so when we have bad habits, if we had kind of built-in habitual responses, uh, which oftentimes we call conditioning, we've been conditioned to see things a certain way, to respond a certain way, those are the kinds of things that really can interfere with our ability to lead. Whether we're just trying to influence the family, uh, whether we're trying to influence coworkers at work, uh, whether actually the boss, uh, these are things that can get in the way of being a really great leader. So a big part of leadership is working on ourself. When we can go in and take a look at where do these bad habits come from? Where do these automatic responses come from? You know, when did we learn to respond that way, to think that way, and to see things a certain way? When, when did that happen? And what can we do to change it? What are some ways we can see things different and maybe put in an interrupt in our automatic responses so that we interrupt what we were going to do or what we were going to say and go, oh, that's the old pattern, that's the old habit, and then think about how we want to respond instead until that new way of responding becomes the new habit. It takes a lot of effort. For some of us, we've spent 30, 40, 20 years, you know, a number of years in our lives learning and reinforcing certain patterns and habits in our life. It's probably going to take more than just an instant or a few days to undo that, all that habit and that pattern that we've developed in our lives. So these are things that take a lot of conscious effort. These are things that would be good to, to change and to work on even if we're not thinking of ourselves as leaders, if we just want to have better relationships with people, if we just want to be able to be happier and to see things differently. A lot of these things that I'm going to go over here are really ways in order to change our whole experience of life. So some of these we reviewed last week, so I'm not going to go into them too, in too much depth. Um, in this first part of the list, and then I'll go into more in depth as we get into these later items. But I didn't want to just jump into the middle of the list. And this list of items, these list of habits, come from a book called What Got You Here Won't Get You There. And the idea behind that is where you are in life, you've probably achieved a certain level of success. Uh, you've gotten so far, maybe you've been promoted to a certain pr pr uh, position at work. Um, you've, you know, have a certain level of income in life, you've gotten here, and the things that you've been doing so far have gotten you here, but it won't get you to that next step. And so these habits, first one is winning too much. This is the idea of winning at all costs, when it matters and when it doesn't matter. So I've known some folks who are very, very competitive and even a drive back to home from the restaurant can suddenly become a competition. Who's going to get there first? Who will end up going through less lights? And, you know, whatever, whatever the, the score is, whatever someone decides, this is what it is to win. Then suddenly just ordinary things in life suddenly become a competition. And it's, it's in a lot of ways, it's a, a lot of one-upmanship. It's I'm going to, you know, beat you home or, and then ha-ha, look, I beat you. 
or it can even be kind of verbal competition, um, you know, where it's, you know, one zinger after the other and trying to get one up and winning. And in a sense, there's a kind of a keeping score. And maybe it's not a conscious score. I mean, you know, a person might not say, yeah, my score is, you know, 59. <laughs> but uh, they would, you know, sort of, in a sense, in, in, a, in a way, keep score and, and try to win and win more often than other people. And that could get to become a real annoyance and a hindrance, especially when you're trying to lead. If you're trying to lead and win at the same time, that's a real hindrance because other people can start to feel like you don't really have their back and it's all about you and your win and they're thinking well hey hey where's my win next one is adding too much value and i know this is something i've fallen into and i can talk a little bit more about this one from my own experience and it's the idea of giving advice for everything and for me uh, when i've fallen into this in the past it was it had gotten to where I felt like I needed to provide something of value or I was not valuable. And so I had to provide advice or I felt like I was a nobody and not worth anything. And really then it was uh, an inner struggle. It wasn't like I consciously said, oh, I'm going to give this advice and I'm going to feel valuable. This was just kind of an inborn habit. And subconsciously, I was afraid maybe I wasn't worth worthwhile. I wasn't worthy. I didn't have validation unless I added value. And that can be some of this, the things that are going on under the surface uh, behind behavior like this. And of course, again, that can hinder a lot of leaders. It doesn't let other people come up with their own answer. It's too much advice. In a way, it's a little bit more controlling than it needs to be. Uh, just letting a person sit down and look at it and come up with their own solution is way better than having a manager give advice for everything or any kind of leader. The third one is passing judgment. That's rating other people and imposing our values on other people. And in when we are passing judgment, uh, just to be just to know, judgment produces resistance. And so it's a insidious thing and maybe even we're not realizing that we are passing judgment but when we are in judgment of people even if we're not verbally judging them it will leak out if we feel somehow superior that we rate ourselves higher than other people and and so forth that will leak out and people will sense the judgment and when people sense judgment they will resist and that is pretty much the opposite of what you want when you're a leader. <laughs> the fourth one is destructive comments. I know some folks, um, they seem to be addictive to sarcasm and cutting remarks. And uh, it's, I think it's an insidious thing uh, because a lot of times sarcasm, sarcasm and cutting remarks can be funny. And so they can get that humor out there and people will laugh. And when people laugh, they feel validated in a way. They were funny. They made people laugh. And it can also make themselves feel superior to other people. And so our sarcastic comment uh, is, in a lot of ways, kind of a put down. And when others are put down, we can feel like, oh, that must mean that we're better because the put down was on them, not on us. And so there can be kind of an addictive behavior around these types of sarcasm and cutting remarks. And of course, if you're trying to be a leader and you're being sarcastic, then 
followers will not want to follow. Next one is starting with no, but, or however. And it's a way of contrasting what a person just said, contradicting it with no, but, or however. And it's discouraging. And I've no, and I shared last week that uh, I do trainings. I do these week-long trainings. And uh, I try very hard not to do this sort of thing with the students because as a teacher, as a trainer, I am, in a sense, a leader in the room, if not the leader. Um, maybe people would think of it not quite that way, but I am leading the class to, to learn some key things. And when someone asks, hey, is it kind of like this? I don't want to start with, no, it's more like this, because that just shut down what they said. And instead, I want to, sh I want to acknowledge what they just said that's actually correct. And so if it's mostly right, with just some nuance that's not quite there, I would want to say yes, mostly, and then start to clarify what was actually different from what I thought was quite right. And it could just be I misunderstood what they said, and I say, you know, you might have actually meant this, but I just wanted to be clear. Rather than starting it with, no, it's not that, it's this other thing. You know, it's almost like saying, no, it's not blue, it's teal where it's almost blue, <laughs> and it's kind of pretty discouraging. And uh, I've audited other classes with other instructors, and, and they kind of fall into this habit sometimes. And it, this, I can watch the students, you know, they ask a question or two, and suddenly they don't ask any more questions. Engagement just drops off, and they're no longer asking questions. They're listening to become passive rather than more engaged in the class. And that same principle applies when leading when parenting kids. You know, if our kids are mostly right, we don't want to say no and just shut them down. We don't want our kids to become passive. We want them to remain active in life and keep asking questions and keep engaging and keep learning. And if we're starting with no, but, or however, we're discounting what they say, and especially for kids, they might start to feel like it's not discounting what they said, but actually discounting them as a person. I know it's not logical, but a lot of kids uh, of varying ages can take it that way. So this can be a very insidious, uh, insidious habit that we have. Number six habit is telling the world how smart we are. And uh, those of us who are smart, boy, this is easy to do. <laughs> and uh, and just for you smart folks out there, there's actually a really big difference between trying to appear smart and actually being smart. And being smart and appearing smart at the same time can also still come off very different. And so even if we are smart and we're trying to convince people we are smart, we're trying to appear smart, and we're trying to tell them how smart we are, that comes across very different from just knowing with an inner knowing that we are smart and we don't need to prove smartness all the time and just be confident in that. Trying to prove to other people that we're smart is really trying to get validation from other people rather than just that inner knowing, the inner confidence, and having the validation come from within rather than from without. And so it can appear pretty different. And it can be pretty off-putting. In a lot of ways, people would see this as uh, when we say we are smart, 
and we're proving that we're smart and say, look, see, I did this, I had the right answer, and see this, I had the thing here, they can start to see that as discounting them and discounting uh, their brilliance. And, and they can start to see it as kind of an either or scenario where, you know, I'm smart, but maybe that means you're not, or, you know, so it's not, I know I'm smart and you are also really smart. And just the inner knowing of smart don't even need to call it out. They can just say, wow, that was a really smart comment. You're really smart. And that you have to prove to them that I'm smart too. Number seven is speaking when angry. Wow, this can be a really big one. And I know several folks um, uh, tend to just react out of anger. A lot of times anger can just be an unconscious reaction. Somebody says or does something. We interpret that a certain way. We feel like it's maybe a disrespect for ourselves or it's, it means something about us. Uh, maybe, maybe it implies that we're not valuable or, or however, and then it's just a knee-jerk reaction. And we will talk more about this right after this break. The weather is heating up, and so are the deals at Waldo Bowers Flooring Showroom at 2300 Broadway. Like Shawmark Anything Goes Carpets, you can choose from a variety of beautiful colors and patterns of this best-selling carpet with a 20-year no-mat, no-crush warranty. Another hot deal at Waldo Bowers are the great products surrounding Karistan Month. These carpets are beautifully elegant, and many qualities are on sale now. Another blazing opportunity is the Stainmaster Luxury Vinyl Flooring Contest. You could win up to $10,000 of vinyl flooring. See the details at Waldo Bowers. And if you just want to look around, Waldo Bowers carries more styles of flooring than any other flooring company in the Sacramento region, and they'll give you a great deal on anything they have in stock. Waldo Bowers, excellent customer service, professional installation, and affordable prices. Why would you go anywhere else? 0% financing is available on approved credit. Waldo Bowers, join them on Facebook, online at waldobowersfloorcovering.com, or call 451-0114, 451-0114. Are you drowning in IRS tax debt? I owe the IRS $37,000. Get ready for a toll-free hotline. Take advantage of new IRS tax forgiveness programs that may protect you from IRS collection agencies. They have the power to garnish your wages, put liens on your property, and levy your bank account. Civic Tax Relief can help protect you from the IRS. Civic Tax Relief basically represented me against the IRS, and by the time everything was completed, I didn't owe the IRS anything. Find out about the Fresh Start program that is now available through Civic Tax Relief. Civic Tax Relief's special tax hotline can help you discover all the relief programs available for free. I would recommend anyone who has a tax problem to contact Civic Tax Relief. Just call 800-210-6779. 800-210-6779. Don't wait. Call now. 800-210-6779. 800-210-6779. You don't have to live with teeth that hurt, dentures that slip, and a smile you hide from everyone. With dental implants, Parrish Family Dental will give you that amazing smile you've dreamed about. Missing teeth, old worn dentures, partial dentures, any of these can make chewing difficult and painful. With dental implant technology from Parrish Family Dental, you can eat your favorite foods, protect your own teeth, and experience a renewed confidence and self-esteem a beautiful smile will bring. And right now you can get a full implant and crown for just $2,500. 
That's over half off what you would pay other implant dentists. Visit ParishFamilyDental.com and pick your location, either Carmichael or Granite Bay. Then tell them you want the implant special you heard about on the radio. Interest-free financing is available on approved credit. Eat the foods you want and get that smile you deserve. ParishFamilyDental.com. That's ParishFamilyDental.com. I'm Craig Ashton of the Injury Law Firm of Ashton & Price. If you've been injured in a fall and you think more than gravity is responsible, call Ashton & Price. If you've been injured in a car accident, call Ashton & Price. If you've been injured by a defective product, call Ashton & Price. If you've lost a loved one in an accident, call Ashton & Price. Over the last 22 years, we have helped thousands of injury victims, so no matter how you've been injured, we know how to handle it. There's never a fee unless you win, so call Ashton & Price for a free consultation. Remember, for the best advice, don't think twice. Call Ashton & Price. City Nights and Bites comes to you every Tuesday from 10 to noon with hosts Queen Eileen and celebrity chef Keith Breedlove, keeping you informed on anything and everything that is Sacramento with restaurant reviews, concert information, sports updates, and more. Queen Eileen and Keith are bringing the sizzle to Sacramento. Send in your upcoming event and see if you get featured on Sacramento's favorite show, City Nights and Bites, Tuesdays from 10 to noon. Meaning, significance, satisfaction, connection. You can have it all. Learn how on the Impact Hour, Wednesdays at 2 p.m. on Money 105.5. Host John and Rena will help you be a change agent, a leader, a hero. Move through your world, touching lives and experiencing a deep sense of connection and meaning. Listen to the Impact Hour, Wednesdays at 2 p.m. on Money 105.5. Your impact matters. You matter. Did you miss a show? Check out past shows at theimpacthour.com. If you want a life rich in meaning, if you want to make a difference, join John and Rena for the Impact Hour every Wednesday afternoon at 2 on Money 105.5. Learn how to increase your life's impact. Unlock your potential and live with passion. It's all new. The Impact Hour with your hosts, John and Rena. Share your stories and become part of the journey. Wednesday afternoons at 2 on Money 105.5. Find John and Rena on Facebook at The Impact Hour. You're listening to The Impact Hour on Money 105.5. Know your impact. Make it great. Hey, welcome back to The Impact Hour. This is the show where you change your life rather than waiting for Washington to fix it. We've been talking about leadership, and we've been going through some bad habits that we may have that would, that would negatively influence, negatively impact our ability to lead and influence other people in our life. So we just got talking about speaking when angry, and one of the things just wanted to point out is for some folks, and I know I've had some bosses that were like this, where they actually used emotional volatility as a management tool. And that was their way of manipulating us to do what they wanted. It did not feel very good, that's for sure. So number eight on this list of habits is being overly negative. So for example, someone says, hey, let me explain to you why that won't work. Um, I don't know, we can slip into that pretty easy. Uh, I call this focusing on the problem rather than focusing on the solution. Uh, we always know all the reasons why it won't work, but the alternative approach of why would this work and what will work could be a much better way uh, rather than being overly negative. Number nine is withholding information. And I know I've worked at places where some of my fellow coworkers would withhold information and that was their way of maintaining some semblance of control. Um, to kind of keep, uh, I don't know, their sense of, of worth and value in the company. 
uh, figured somehow it had more to do with what they knew than what else they could provide. I know a lot of times we were told that we weren't very valuable, that they could just replace us with anybody. Uh, so maybe that was their response to, uh, to that, is to withhold information. Uh, but that actually isn't very helpful. And a leader or a manager, inf any person trying to influence who is withholding information, um, it feels manipulative to those who are trying to follow. Rather than being on board and trying to accomplish the same goals, when information is withheld, they can't really work towards the same goals because they don't really have all the information available. <clears throat> Number 10 is failing to give proper recognition. I don't know if you've ever worked for somebody and they took credit for what you did. Ooh, that just gets under people's skin. That is not great. And there's no, no better way to get people to leave um, or just you know, withdraw completely and not want to put any more effort into it is to give claim credit that you didn't deserve. Number 12 is making excuses just by saying, hey, this is just the way I am. You just have to deal with it or blaming other people. I know I've worked in places where it was all about the blame. It wasn't really spoken, but the attitude was, it almost felt like, hey, we need to find out who's at fault before we can fix the problem. And that creates a very poor culture to work in. And uh, it's in the household, you know, culture in the household where there's blaming, you know, I didn't leave the cup out, they did. And you can just get into this kind of really negative culture Number 13 is clinging to the past, so blaming the past and saying, hey, you know, this is what happened before, and so that's why we're in such a bad place now. Uh, that's just really looking backwards. That's not really leading forwards. Playing favorites. So this can happen at a subconscious level for a lot of folks. It can just be easier. These are my folks who are most like me, and so I hang out with them and I have a good time, and people not like me, well, you know, I'll, I'll lead, but they're not my best buds, and it can feel like there's favoritism going on. Fifteen is refusing to express regret, and that's really about taking responsibility for our actions. And a big part of learning, we've talked about this a lot on this show, a big part of learning is making mistakes. That's just a part of the process. Uh, but a lot of times we've, we've been conditioned and we've been told that we're not allowed to make mistakes. We can't, can't make any mistakes. In fact, I've worked at places uh, where folks had said three strikes and you're out. You can make one mistake and that's good. Two mistakes, well, that's not so good. But three mistakes, well, then you're out. And, and that doesn't really create a culture of creativity and exploration where people can do a lot of learning. Um, and a boss, a leader who refuses uh, to express regret, refuses to take responsibility, fosters that kind of culture and people tend to withdraw and they tend not to take risks and you get a, leaders who really really aren't on board they won't suggest things they won't say hey I, th I had this really great idea uh, for fear that it if it doesn't succeed then they would be blamed for it um, and so it's a lot related to the blaming thing we talked about earlier as well number 16 is not listening I love the comments uh, when I went through the book. They said the most passive-aggressive form of disrespect is to not listen. Ouch. I know for a lot of years, I would not be listening to what they were saying. I would be formulating what I wanted to say in response to something they said earlier. And I might completely miss the second half or the 
second three quarters of what they just said so I can get my response in and just learning to sit back and listen and explore and ask questions is so much more kind. In fact, even Stephen Covey, you know, in, in his Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, talks about giving people emotional air, where he talks about seeking to first understand, then to be understood. And when people feel heard and understood, they feel valued and they can relax. And I've, I've been with people where I've asked into what they were sharing, asked questions, got clarification on what they were saying, and visibly their shoulders just relax and there's no longer this sense of, I gotta say you know, this as quickly as I can, otherwise they won't be heard. And they just feel at ease. So much better to listen. A leader who doesn't listen uh, does not inspire followers to follow. The, uh, the followers go, well, he's not paying attention to us anyways, so why does it matter? And maybe I'll go somewhere else. Number 17 is failing to express gratitude, which is the opposite of the regret. And learning to express gratitude and, and appreciation would be a part of that and appreciating folks for what they contribute and feeling grateful for what is, what is going right is so much more of a positive approach than focusing all on the negative. Number 18 is punishing the messenger. 19 is passing the buck. It's more about blaming. That's blaming everyone else. I know I've been in companies where the manager felt very threatened. And if anything went wrong, it was because of so-and-so or because of this other thing or they didn't have enough funds or they don't have good workers or all kinds of things. And, and that just doesn't feel good. It does not inspire people to follow. And then number 20 is the excessive need to be me. And that is exalting faults as virtues. And a lot of this kind of mindset uh, around the need to be me is this idea is I'm a fixed entity. Uh, this is just the way I am and you must deal with me. And I'm not going to change is kind of the attitude around that. And I've learned by experience that a whole lot of stuff that we think is fixed just a part of our personality actually can be changed. And so huge things can be changed in us and we don't need to just accept our faults. We don't need to accept that, hey, this is just the way I am and you know, this is, this is it. So you get what it is here. Uh, but there's so much that we can change. And so a good leader would look at this list of habits that we fall into that hinder leadership, that hinder our influence, which include our influence over our kids as parents. This would especially be true as our kids are getting older. I know I now have two teenagers at home and uh, my ability to influence and lead my kids is much more so now based on invitational style influence rather than me being the parent and say, well, I'm the parent, this is what you must do. They are so much less likely to follow that, and maybe they'll follow, but in their, in their inner voice will be going, oh, this is just stupid, I'm not following this, I'm doing it just because I have to, and this is just stupid, or whatever they're thinking. And so to, to really lead your kids, especially as they get older, needs to be much more of the relationship-based style leadership. A couple more things about leadership is uh, being a leader is more than just influence in a lot of ways and being a great leader 
is where you're paying attention to the context. You're paying attention to what kind of context gets created if things are done a certain way. Context has to do with what's all around. So for example, the context uh, right now of this particular talk is it's on the radio. You might be in your car. You might be listening to it uh, later on in your computer. And in the room, in the space that you're in, that's a part of your context. And in the car, you might be paying attention to traffic. And because of that, you might perhaps not be able to, to pay full attention to what's going on. Uh, hopefully, you can pay a lot of attention <laughs> anyways. Um, but that's, the, that's an example of what is a context, uh, as opposed to um, you know, maybe you're getting this as a podcast and you're sitting down with headphones on and the outside world is kind of blocked out and you're just going to sit and close your eyes and listen. That would be a pretty different context. And when we are creating an environment, when we are leading, we are creating context whether we want to or not. And that includes the culture. And so inside of a company, the leader is responsible for creating a supportive culture within the company for people to work. If that culture is not creative, it's, if it's uh, stifling, if it in, you know, inhibits people and causes people to withdraw and to disengage, that's a part of the culture. That's a part of the context that is created. So an example of a really great context within a company would be it's presented as just a series of wins, one win after the other. We get a win and we get another win and another win and it's just, just a win one after the other. Uh, as opposed to always focusing on the negative and focusing on what's wrong, those would be two ways to create a culture. And we will be right back. If you want a life rich in meaning, if you want to make a difference, join John and Rena for the Impact Hour every Wednesday afternoon at 2 on Money 105.5. Learn how to increase your life's impact. Unlock your potential and live with passion. It's all new. The Impact Hour with your hosts, John and Rena. Share your stories and become part of the journey. Wednesday afternoons at 2 on Money 105.5. Find John and Rena on Facebook at The Impact Hour. Meaning, significance, satisfaction, connection. You can have it all. Learn how on the Impact Hour, Wednesdays at 2 p.m. on Money 105.5. Host John and Rena will help you be a change agent, a leader, a hero. Move through your world, touching lives and experiencing a deep sense of connection and meaning. Listen to the Impact Hour, Wednesdays at 2 p.m. on Money 105.5. Your impact matters. You matter. Did you miss a show? Check out past shows at theimpacthour.com. Now back to the Impact Hour with John and Rena on Money 105.5. Hey, welcome back. If where you're at in life right now, you've been chasing success perhaps, maybe you've even accomplished success, but you're looking around and going, okay, well, now what? If you're looking at now what and you're wanting to add something to your life, maybe you're at a stage where you want to make a bigger contribution to the world, you want to make an impact, you want something that's a great fit for who you are as a person that really blends your strengths and your passions, and maybe you're not sure which way you want to go, or maybe you have an idea, but you would like somebody to come alongside and be there as you make this change in your life and along this journey of making a deeper impact, if that is you, I'd like you to call this number, 
783-2622. That is for Simply Great Lives. That is my number, and you can call and schedule a discovery session, and we'll have a free discovery session and check and see kind of what makes sense for you and what, you know, how I can help and which direction you'd like to go and see how we'd like to move forward and if that would even make sense. And again, that number is 916-783-2622. We've been talking about leadership today. And the lastly, just before the break, we were talking about creating a context, creating the context and paying attention to the context uh, as we are leading. What kind of context are we creating? And we talked about how we are creating a context we're creating a culture in our families and our workplaces by the way that we are leading, whether we like it or not. And as the leader, it is our responsibility to pay attention to that and make that a positive, supportive context. So in a company, compare one company where it's just a series of wins. We get one win and another win and another win and another win, and we're always focusing on the wins. And when there are mistakes, when there's goof-ups, we handle those but we don't focus on them and we just celebrate the wins. It's just a flow of wins. That creates a kind of company culture or a family culture that creates a culture of, of a feeling of, of positiveness, of allowing for more creativity, as opposed to a culture where many of us fall into because it's so easy to focus on what's wrong, what's wrong, what's not working. Why is this not working? Why didn't you do this? Why is this you know, not working over here? And focusing on all the things that are not working, that creates a culture and a context as well. And that can get to be very oppressive. And that's where people can really work hard, can really do an awesome job and have some mess ups and then have their success totally overlooked. All that they've accomplished just gets bypassed with little to no attention with all the attention on where the, where the mess up was and that can be very oppressive that's a part of the context that's being created so not allowing mistakes can create a context or i don't know there could be a lot of different things in the workplace where where the context isn't good uh, where the context is oppressive where people are not engaged in their work uh, another example of one, which I was trying to remember earlier, but just now remembered, is uh, in an organization, uh, we can have something go wrong, and because something went wrong, we automatically create a rule around that. And over time, we get more and more rules, just because somebody did something wrong here or something, they crossed the line over there. And that can create kind of a pretty oppressive culture as well. We also need to understand that as a part of creating the culture, creating the context, that whatever, whatever we're leading, whoever we're leading, there needs to be a context around growing people, that that's really just a part of what makes a good, supportive uh, culture and a context for people to be in, in the family. And there should always be a sense of we're learning and we're growing together. For example, if your kid has homework, what's more important, that the homework get done or that the kid learns enough through the experience and they learn what they're supposed to learn. I know we had one of our one of our children was struggling mightily through one of the classes he was in and he was in resistance to the class in a big way and it was just it was really frustrating for us but we knew we couldn't step in and fix it. We couldn't do the homework for him. We couldn't just say, "Oh, we'll just do this for you" because then he wouldn't learn what he needed to learn through that experience. 
it was really a character shaping experience for him to go through that and as much as we wanted to fix it for him it was just hard to just see him struggle so much through it we knew that if we stepped in we'd really be removing the learning experience that was needed there and that can be true in other places as well in the workplace you know maybe we have employees who are you know struggling and maybe they need to go through that struggle maybe they'll learn maybe they need to make mistakes so they can learn Rather than being punished for the mistakes, maybe it can seen as this was a good thing because now some learning has taken place. <clears throat> a big part of the context is making room for people's unique expression. If, uh, if the environment is you do what I say and this is what we're doing, there's really not much room for people's uh, unique expression in there. And that's all part of the context that should be thought of and considered by leaders. Another part of that context is, uh, is we're working on the work that needs to get done. Is the work more important than the people? Or do the people feel like the work is valued more than the people? Is it not going for win-win, where the people in the organization win along with the organization? Or is it seen as the organization wins at whatever expense needs to happen? Another really big part about leadership is the leader really needs to be looking ahead. They need to have a, a wider view. So there's story around this, you know, there's, there's Bushmen out in the bush and they've got their machetes out and they're chopping down all the, the veget vegetation that's around, they're chopping down the grass and the, and the vines and they're, they're making a path towards a, a direction and uh, somebody in the group needs to be the leader to climb up the tallest tree and look out and go this way. The leader needs to be the person who says this way and adjustments probably need to be made. So the leader every once in a while needs to stop with the machete and get back up and look at the top of the tree and go this way. Maybe we need to make an adjustment. But it's the leader's job is to look, where are we going? What, what is needed? Rather than just what is happening right now, but what needs to happen in uh, in three months. One needs to happen in six months. I know I had a really great manager, boss person at a company I worked at, and he totally did this. And so we were working in a, in a software company, and he knew that eventually we were going to get to coding, and we needed to have a certain, uh, uh, I don't know, processor instruction, I don't know if it's instruction manuals, but uh, you know, specifications, data sheets, and things like that in order for us to do our jobs. And he didn't wait until we started coding to get those. He got those in advance. He said, you know, right, you know, we're going to be done with this design phase in a couple of months. But by the time we get there, we're going to need this information. And we're going to need to have, you know, development boards to work on. And all of that stuff was arranged for us before we, we needed them. He was looking ahead. He was checking to see what is needed. He was also super awesome because he recognized that it wasn't just the physical things that we needed to be successful in our job, but the emotional parts of the culture and the company was super important as well. And so he spent a lot of time with each of us individually, and he connected with this and made sure we felt valued and important and that we could utilize our strengths in what we were doing, where we weren't put into a place where we were using our weaknesses and, and not very productive, it would be kind of draining for us. He kind of organized the whole team so we each could play to our strengths. 
Um, and so he was really quite amazing uh, at all of this. So I just wanted to end real quick uh, with some things here. If you wanted to lead, um, and you say you wanted to lead more in your family. And so I had some steps for you to take. And the first one is to create a vision of the future you would like to see. This could be a grand vision future, or it could just be, you know, I'd really like my vision uh, for right now is we just want the backyard to be mowed and cleaned up. We want it lean and green and have people share in the vision and get their involvement. Get people to say, yeah, I'd also like to have a garden or I'd like to have whatever so they can share in the vision and you can share the plan. So thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Impact Hour. total freedom in your life safely and quickly. Build wealth and passive income so you never worry about working till you drop, losing your job, or retiring in poverty. Hi, I'm Steve Davis, an investor in thousands of units over the years. Now it's your turn. Del Wamsey has been my mentor for nearly 25 years, and he's taught over 100,000 people just like you the principles of financial freedom through live one-on-one -on -one mentoring at Lifestyles Unlimited and his national radio show. I'm excited to tell you about the real estate workshop that changed my life. The workshop gets you on the inside of what we do and what we believe and unlocks the five ways we make money in real estate. Just like your personal trainer, Lifestyles Unlimited will motivate, encourage, and teach you so you can get in the best financial shape of your life. Call 866-971-8970 or go to fivewayswemakemoney.com. That's fivewayswemakemoney.com to register for the workshop that will change your life and let you stop worrying about working till you drop, losing your job, or retiring in poverty. Your home is so much more than square footage and a floor plan. So why would you entrust buying a new home or selling your home to anyone but Ellen Hurley, the Real Estate Insider? And tune in weekdays from noon to one for Ellen Hurley's show, The Real Estate Insider, exclusively on Money 105.5.